RadioInfluence.com. thing that I never thought in a million years would happen. happen. The champion, the challenger, here we go! This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome in to a new episode of the MMA Report podcast. It is the interview edition of the show, and I have got four conversations coming up here on this Edition of the podcast, the first chat you're going to hear is with Julian Arosa, who is coming off a win against Hakeem Dawadu there at UFC 279. Had a great conversation talking to him about everything uh, that happened on that night, the build-up to that fight. Uh, you know, kind of the, the two big takeaways I'll tell you that I took away from that conversation is he does reveal how much money he did receive for Akeem missing weight. And uh, yeah, nice nice little payday that uh, Julian Arosa got for Akeem Dawadu missing weight there. Also, it was interesting he talked about what the mindset was in his preparations leading into that fight. Maybe it will surprise you if you've been watching Julian Arosa for some time now. Then you're going to hear from three fighters who are all working their way up the regional scene. You're here from two professional fighters. Also, you hear from one amateur fighter. You're going to hear from Josh Walker. He is coming off a win at Gulf Coast MMA 17. I've had Josh uh, on the show uh, back in May of last year. Got a chance to uh, catch up back with him, talk to him what is going on with him, and of course, talk about his uh, most recent victory. Uh, then you're going to hear from a man who is coming off a win at Uriah Faber's A1 Combat 5. Terrence Turn, who got a victory there. Uh, he is now 2-0 in his professional career. Both of his professional fights have lasted a combined 2 minutes and 15 seconds. So I spoke to him about that victory. Also talked about a viral video that he was a part of. You'll hear him talk about that viral video. And then the final conversation will be with a amateur undefeated heavyweight, James Ford. He's coming off a win at Gulf Coast MMA 17. Uh, he has made the transition from the college wrestling ranks into mixed martial arts competition. So you hear him uh, talk about uh, kind of everything that's uh, with his martial arts journey of how ultimately he went from the Purdue wrestling team to becoming a mixed martial artist course as always appreciate you taking time out of your day download and listen to this episode of the podcast of course a great way to show your support for the podcast rating and review that does help help me out a ton whether you listen to this on apple podcast spotify or wherever you may be listening to this podcast also uh be if you're not uh, subscribed to the ma report on youtube uh be sure to do that as i do post all my interviews over there and uh starting to post more things on instagram as well uh that is at the mma report also you can follow my personal instagram handle which is at at Jason underscore Floyd. Uh, before we get into the interviews, uh, one of the more interesting things that I have seen in mixed martial arts over the past couple of days has been the fighter reaction to the UFC shoe deal with The Rock and Under Armour. And I'm not going to elaborate too much on it because, I mean, look, it is what it is. But I was having a conversation last night with, with someone in the industry about it. And the conversation was essentially this. This is another example of 
if the fighters were ever going to unite together and, you know, become an association, become a union, this would be a perfect way to do it, but uh, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if the rock ever does come out and say anything. I know Terrence McKinney has been very vocal online. I've seen some fighters retweet what he has said, and I'll give you a little little insight here is I was joking with uh, the person I have dealt with in getting Terrence McKinney on the podcast, and I joked with him, and I said, oh, man, I guess uh, you must be getting a lot of interview requests for Terrence McKinney, and his response was, well, we don't represent Terrence McKinney anymore. Uh, Terrence uh, uh, left us a, a couple of weeks ago, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So Terrence McKinney apparently uh, at this time doesn't have a manager, so that's kind of a, a little bit of a, an interesting detail there. But uh, I'm interested to see what happens, but to me it's just another example of where I think uh, you're going to see fighters talk about it uh, in terms of social media, but I just don't think it's really going to uh, go much in terms of that. But uh, let's get right into the interview portion of the show as you're going to hear these interviews back to back to back. The first conversation you are going to hear is with Juicy J, Julian Arosa. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory this past weekend as he got the decision win there against Kim Adawadu. Julian, as always, man, uh, appreciate the time. You know, when, when thinking about the journey for you career resurgence could be a word that people say do you take that as a compliment at all for sure man i uh i'm so proud of myself what like uh what i've kind of continued to do and just press forward Uh, you know like it's me and my wife talk about it all the time like when i was one and four in the ufc got cut for the second time it was covid was going on like me and my wife didn't know if we were going to have, you know, the next month, month's mortgage. We didn't know if we were going to be able to you know pay our car notes for that month. You know, it was getting to a, a dicey spot and uh, the amount of optimism that we had or how optimistic we were uh, in those times is, is, is insane. Like I was so optimistic that like things were still going to just work out, you know? And, uh, and, and looking back at it now, it's like, Holy crap. I went from like, absolutely nothing like uh you know kind of the laughing stock of the ufc to being able to uh you know take a fight on three days notice and that changed my entire life uh you know winning that fight with uh sean woodson getting a bonus and just getting my life on track you know career wise you know i knew after that fight that i was gonna get another fight and if i could just parlay that into you know the ufc success that i've always you know just hoped for um and even then like that that was the fight that proved everything just to myself, like I could, you know, run it with the best of them in there. Um, and so for me, it was more of just a self-satisfactory, uh, you know, event in my life. But for me to be able to parlay that through the last handful of fights has just been absolutely amazing. Now you got opponents that are just missing weight, helping that mortgage payment, make it, make it easier. Let's go. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. People keep asking me, all the interviews keep asking me about the, the weight missing and stuff. And, and I understand like it's upsetting you know, in the moment, because, you know, I just got done killing myself. Like yeah. you, making 146 pounds, ain't no easy task for me. I'm just going one. I'm a big boy. And so, uh, when other people miss the weight, you know, it is a little upsetting because, uh, you know, like I just want them to be professional and like in the lead up, if you, if you're missing weights, cause you're cutting corners, man, you know, like I can't cut any corners. And, uh, so I know if people show up and miss weight, Hakeem's five foot eight, man, he's got muscle. He can, he can, uh, and even if you have, like, even if you're as mus- muscular as he is, 
you can still lose muscle. You can go run. You can do more cardio. You can get leaned out. And, uh, you know, I got to do everything right to make the weight. So when you get a guy like that missing weight, who's never missed weight before, actually, even his entire MMA career, not only just the UFC, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little disappointing right out the gate, but you know what? I always know what that comes with and it comes with extra money. So for me, uh, leading into this fight after the wins, I already felt like I was free rolling. I was like, Holy shit, man. Like I got 30% of his money. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, man, the UFC is paying Hakeem some good money. Cause 30% of his money was a lot of money for me. So, uh, you know, it was definitely nice to get a, you know, a piece of that. And he, he came and apologized to me and was, you know, you know, very apologetic about it, but I almost wanted to be like, yo, Hakeem, you don't got to apologize, bro. It means so much <laughs> to me. I'm going to be receiving. And honestly, you know, he missed weight at 1030 at 1030. He's 149 and a half pounds. I'm probably about 156 at that point. So, uh, you know, I'm already ahead of the ball on the, on the hydration, uh, you know, I, you know, after he's missed weight. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I hope, uh, I hope, it, uh, you know, everything works out for him. I hope, uh, he figures out his weight or whatever the situation is. Who knows, man? I heard some rumors that possibly he was going to retire after his last fight. So maybe that could have something to do with it. Um, uh, I hope everything's all good with him, though. Uh, and it's tough, man. Uh, cutting weight is harder than fighting. It's the hardest part of what we do. So, uh, you know, cutting weight can turn the most confident man into a, a weak little coward. So, And I'm not saying that's what Hakeem was doing. I'm just saying just yeah. in personal experience, man. I've been on the floor having to cut one more pound and just been like, you know, one to just trying to figure out why the fuck I'm doing this. Like I'm fucking dying out here. So, uh, uh, you know, so I feel bad for him in that sense, but, um, you know what, my, my bank account feels good. There's <laughs> part of me that, that kind of thinks about that. What point from when Jason house gives you the call to say, Hey, Akeem's not going to make weight. You know, he, you know, he's going to give up X percentage of purse. Do you call the wife and go, Hey honey, uh, we got a little extra money coming in in, in, in the direct deposit here soon. <laughs> Well, you so when I fought uh, Steven Peterson, he missed weight. I got 30% of his money because he had missed by three pounds. And um, he also missed the time before that. And uh, I ended up getting about $10,000 from that, which was already huge. Like, you yeah. know, and obviously we got, you know, his $50,000 from the, uh, the flight of the night. But uh, uh, besides that, the $10,000, me and my wife were like, holy shit, like 10 grand? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> I had to do nothing extra. You know, I showed up, made weight, and I was upset. I was pissed off. I was like, man, fucking Peterson missed weight. And then afterwards when it was all settled i was like fuck man i'm kind of glad he missed weight that's like 10 more thousand dollars hell let's go and then uh you know so then uh hakeem once i found out he missed weight uh and uh jason said we're gonna do 30 percent. i was like all right cool fuck yeah like probably be about ten thousand dollars and um you know and then i realized that they pay hakeem a bit more than i anticipated <laughs> and so 30 percent ended up being you know eighteen thousand dollars so you know, and I don't really, my wife doesn't like me disclosing all the, you know, exact money, but it is what it is. Just for more of the perspective of the story, uh, I called her and I was all like, love, it's $18,000 that we're going to get from these women missing weight. And she was, you know, kind of flabbergasted because we had anticipated about half that. We were thinking like $10,000, but, yeah. uh, and that's why it's like such a big deal. It's like, man, if, if you're paying me the type of money that Hakeem was getting paid, you better believe I'm showing up and making weight. And not even that, if, if you were paying me 10 and 10 on like, you know, the, a newcomer in the UFC, I don't, I don't want to give anything away. I'm already yeah. giving percentages out to my management, to my coaches, to my camps, to everything, you know, got to pay taxes on this stuff too. So like, you know, when you really boil this down to it, it's like, uh, I would never miss weight only like, like mainly because of the financial thing, you know, and obviously I'm going to do it cause I'm a professional as well. But, uh, the, fin the financial part of it right now in the UFC when you're getting paid this type of money is like 
talking about tens of thousands of dollars. It's a lot of fucking money. You know, people, you know, $18,000 is a part-time job, you know, yeah. for most people in the year. So, uh, you know, I hope everything's all good with him, but, uh, you know, it definitely helped me out a bit. It makes me think about when, when you have, cause I think when people think of you, they think of a forward pressing volume type guy. And it makes me think about when you, when you, you know, a guy misses weight by two, three ish pounds. Is there a part of you that goes, okay, maybe I need to push it on a little bit more and really test this cardio. Uh, you know, I was thinking of that, but, uh, the whole lead up to this fight, we were not trying to be crazy. We were not trying to get in there and have a phone booth fight again. Like I did with Peterson and some of these other guys, we wanted to be a bit more measured and that's something we had worked on so much and just being rangy. And, and I always know that I have that like in the back pocket, like at any given time we can just run it. And I know my cardio is going to be there and uh, we can kind of get in that phone booth fight if we, if, if we need to, um, if I can keep it at range and uh, you know, hurt them, hit them, uh, and get the better of him on the feet like I was doing. And we just wanted to stick with that. And also, yeah, like you said, like when someone misses weight, you know if you if you put the uh, the pedal to the metal, uh, they're not going to last as long as you are. Um, well, I mean, and honestly, it's not necessarily the physical thing. It's more the mental thing. Yeah. They already broke mentally one time. So if I take him to the fight and I haven't broke, and I know he's already broke the day before, uh, I think it's a bit more uh, higher percentage that he's going to break before I do if I put the, you know, the pedal to the metal and, and get his bow tired. And so, uh, but that was a bit, you know, contrary to what I wanted to do. I wanted to really be measured in this fight, which I did. And I felt really, uh, I'm really satisfied with the way I, I fought. Um, but then again, I do like, I do get a little bit uh, upset sometimes when I rewatch the fight. Cause the third round I was a bit measured and I mm-hmm. want, like, I just love watching my fights when I'm just like, you know, trying to get the, you know, bring the dog out and just make it as dirty as possible. But for my coaching or for my coaches, they were really happy with the way uh, everything happened. And obviously for my friends and family, they don't like me to get, they don't like to watch me get beat up. You know, even the Peterson fight, even winning that fight, you know, I might've lost a couple of years off my life. So like, you know, for my family, my friends, everybody wants to see me go out there and, and get a flawless victory. And I feel like I did that with David. You know, they, they talk about there's expectations that you have going into a competition and then it's how it plays out. Was, was there some uh, vast differences until of how you expected Akeem to attack you in terms of how it actually did play out? Uh, you know, I, yeah, a little bit for sure. I was really ready for a, like a really high kicking um, offense from him. I mean, it's what he's good at. He, he's good at kick kickboxing, and so um, and I think uh, Mike Trezano he had like like almost thirty leg kicks or something. So I, I was assuming I was going to be, you know, I. I'm really good at checking kicks. You know, I'm, I'm really good at kicking myself and, and I usually have a pretty high output there as well. So I figured we're going to go, you know, tit for tat on the kicking. Um, but I think he kicked my legs like maybe three times. Like, I mean, or in a, in some, or like maybe like four or five altogether. But I think a few of them were just off of me kicking him. Like I was kicking him and as soon as I kicked him, he kicked me back. But him offensively just going for a leg kick, I think he went for like two or three of them. And it was just, that was a bit surprising. I thought maybe he was going to, you know, I was, I was actually anticipating him kicking a lot and he really wasn't. I think maybe the range and the distance kind of, um, you know, fooled him a little bit. And it's one of those things too, like when your game plan is something and then it's not working right out the gate, uh, some people just start to freak out and just don't know what to do. And so for me, uh, I think that's what kind of happened. Like I was able to keep the range and not brawl with him. I think he was waiting for me to brawl. Cause you know, if you watch my fights, you know, it's going to be a fucking yeah. fight. Uh, <laughs> And so I think he was ready for that. And I think he was too ready for that. I think he was anticipating that too much. And I think he was a bit too stiff and rigid. And I was a bit more flowy and, and able to be measured. 
and uh, keep the range. And uh, I think that threw him off. Is there a moment early in your career where you remember freaking out in a fight? Like, you know, you, 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 you'd plan for something so well, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, I got I got a reverse course here. Well, I think a perfect example of that is the Peterson fight. Uh, if you watch, you watch that fight, the first round, it's kind of like the uh, first round when I fought Dawadu. I mean, I had been pressuring him, and I kept the range, and I hurt him a couple of times, not as bad as I hurt Dawadu, but uh, uh, didn't get hit with one thing um, and hit him with you know a handful of good shots and was pressuring him and pressing him the entire time. And uh, it basically went you know, 100% to game plan. And then second round came, and it was almost like two completely different fights. Like I went from you know controlling the fight, feeling great about what the situation was, and even in the corner between the first and second round, I was thinking, man, oh man, this is going easy. Like this is gonna be an easy one. Here we go. Like just just do that two more times. We'll be all right. And uh, second round came, and you know what happened? It just like uh, I don't know if Peterson just takes a little while to warm up, but once he got going and we started like really starting to brawl, it just became a completely different fight. And at that point you got to just let things go sometimes. And even my coach, one of my coach, uh, uh, coach Eddie, he was like telling my other coach, Casey Halstead, he was like, sometimes you just got to encourage you. You can't like, sometimes you got to just stop trying to instruct and just start to encourage. Cause he knew that things were out the window. I'm just going to start brawling. And instead of like trying to correct what I was doing, uh, just to encourage it. Uh, <laughs> Cause they know that if it does get dirty, that I can hold my own. And so, uh, but that was a good example of that where I thought it was going one way and then the fight completely turned and I just had to dig deep. And I think we both had to dig really deep. That fight was just, you know, pretty insane. Uh, but we both had to dig deep and, uh, uh, and really uh, go for it. And that's what we did. But that was probably the best example of that. You know, you, you mentioned about how you can't cut corners in terms of that diet uh, during a fight camp. You're out of fight camp now. So, <laughs> so are, are we not, uh, are we enjoying some fine quality uh, food products? Oh man, I'm cutting all the corners, man. I just, uh, but you know, I want to be a bit more measured in that as well. Uh, I feel like, um, you know, even like Patty said it, uh, pretty good, uh, when he was talking about that, he thinks that fighting itself has kind of given him a, a food disorder, a food eating disorder, because I mean, we all know Patty, you know, we call him Patty the fatty because he's, he gets so fat, but, uh, uh, he's a bit overzealous with that situation. But I think all fighters do that where, mm-hmm. you know, you've been just dieting so hard. You haven't been able to eat or drink what you want for, you know, you know, a couple of months. And so as soon as the fight's over and you can kind of really relax, relax and decompress that you want to enjoy those things. And, uh, sometimes we enjoy them to a fault where, you know, I'll eat things or drink things where I'm like way too bloated, way too, <laughs> almost feel like I'm going to throw up cause I eat too much. And, uh, you know, that's not good in itself as well. So, uh, for me, I want to enjoy the things I have, uh, or that I get to eat and drink now, but I, I still, I'm back in the gym already training because, you know, I can't burn the candle at both ends. I can't be eating like shit and not training. So I'll let myself enjoy a little bit, but also be training still. And so I'm burning calories at the same time and it gives me a little bit of leeway with, with, with what I get to eat. And then also like be healthy about it. Like if I want to like overeat on something, like make it something that's like enjoyable, but not as bad. Make, make it not be like a pink box donuts or something. Cause you know, you eat like seven, eight donuts, like that's not good ever. So <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm going to have a couple of them, but if I want to overeat, uh, maybe I'll do something that I, you know, that's a bit healthier. So, um, uh, I try to be a bit more measured in that as well. Plus I'm getting old, man. I'm, or I'm not getting old, <laughs> getting older. Yeah. I'm 33. So it's a bit 
harder for the body to kind of yo-yo diet and, uh, and to be going from 146 pounds up to 176 pounds and, and, and bouncing back and forth to that. So, um, I just want to stay as healthy as possible inside and outside of camp. Is it one of those things for you? It's about finding that sweet spot weight wise in terms of like where you feel like, you know, this is kind of like that appropriate weight for you to be in a camp like, or, or do you kind of feel like it's kind of evolved? No, for sure. Yeah, that's 100% like exactly on point. Um, I always write my weights down, especially when I'm in camp, like where I'm at. And so I kind of I get to see where I've been before and where I've made it. Um, the, the tough thing is that I've made, I've, I've been able to do it horribly before. Like I've made weight when I wasn't doing everything right. And, uh, you know, killed myself for it and did it, you know, and then I've done, you know, I, I did catch weights with Jordan and, uh, and, and Woodson at 150, but I did the Woodson fight on three days notice. And so like, I had a six pack of beer the Saturday before I fought Sean Woodson. Like I, I was at my buddy's house we're watching the UFC and what I was doing throughout like all the weeks was I was staying as strict as I possibly could. And then one night a week on Saturday, I would enjoy myself a little bit. And so for that, I was doing that. And, um, the Saturday beforehand I had like six beers that night. I went and had Taco Bell with my wife. The next morning I woke up and I was like 172 pounds and made 150 pounds on, um, on that next Friday. And so, uh, since I've done that, you, 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 since when you've done something like that, you're like, Oh, well shit, fuck it. Like I could do it. <laughs> like, I could drink six beers and still make weight. So sometimes you get too comfortable. So you really have to like reel yourself in and be like, Hey man, like, yeah, we did that. That was great. But let's not do that again. Like, Cause that's just not fun, man. It's not fun to, uh, to get too big and, and have to cut hard and, and make it a fat camp. You know, people call like, you know, the, the, the training camp, they turn it into a fat camp and you don't want to have that. You know, you don't want to be, the priority of your, of your training camp does not have, or you don't want it to be about the weight. Cause if you do that, then you're not focused on the fight. So, uh, for me, I try to stay, you know, as close to 66, 166. If I can be there that or under, you know, within a few weeks of my fight, I'll be good to go. I know I can make the weight at that point. Um, so, uh, you know, once I find out about a fight, you know, I try to, you know, slim down from like, about mid seventies into the mid sixties. And once I get to that point, I'm okay. You know, hearing you talk about that made me think of uh, Dustin Jacoby when he took a short nose fight last year, it was like a weak nose, whatnot. And yeah. he's like had a campfire and he's like, he's like, man, I'm like, you know, six quarters lights deep. And he goes, I get the call. And basically my team's like, we got to take the fight. I said, so did you have another beer? He goes, yeah, I had another beer. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, fuck it. I mean, you already if you're already six in, one more is not gonna hurt, and you're already doing, you know, fuck it. Like, and I think that's a, that gives you a little bit of a a little bit of a leeway as well. Just like, you know, if you take a short notice fight and they're like, well, he missed weight, we'd be like, well, yeah, man, I, he gave me three days. Like, <laughs> like of course I missed weight. Like, I can't make weight. You know, most people. I bet you if you ask most fighters that are actually cutting a decent amount of weight, what they need, and and usually the minimum would be probably like at least two and a half weeks minimum. And that's like, if they're already in shape. So like, uh, for me, uh, you know, taking short notice fights is, you know, I've never really been worried about the way. And that's why I did that catch weight as well. So, uh, uh, that helped out a little bit as well. But, uh, you, you see some of these guys and even like coaching and like other guys, like, uh, and hearing stories, like if they do ask you for a short notice fight, say, yeah, can you make the weight? Yeah, I can make the weight just so you can get the fight. Cause once yeah. you get the fight, you miss, if you miss the weight, Nobody's really going to hold that against you if it's a short of his fight. So that always helps out. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, congratulations on the victory, as uh, mm-hmm. always, man. Look forward to seeing the next time you step inside the competition. Of course, uh, let me know anything you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? 
yeah, obviously, uh, my Instagram's, uh, the best way to reach out to me, it's Julian underscore Rosa. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I always, I always got to thank my management, Jason House and Iridium Sports Agency. Without those guys, I want to be here and they do everything for me, man. They help me out all the time, make sure I have everything right, my weight cuts, uh, for the week of the fight, for sponsorships, for everything. So, uh, always got to shout them out because, you know, if they weren't pers- pushing my name, I would have been, the end of my story would have been one of four in the UFC and I'd be fighting some regional show or something. So, or maybe not fighting, maybe not fighting at all. So, uh, them put them putting as much work into managing me as I put into fighting is what I appreciate the most with them. Um, and obviously all the, you know, all the fans and, uh, and all the interviewers like you, like yourself, Jason, uh, pushing the word out for us on a daily basis. So thank you so much. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we had back on the show back in May of 2021, and he is coming off a victory here at GC MMA number 17. Josh, man, I appreciate time. Oh, you're kind of joking uh, right before we got started here. Uh, May 2021 seems like such a long time ago. Like in your world, like does it only feel like like a year and a half ago? Man, it feels like such a long time ago. She'd be in a textbook or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that long ago. It was like, but uh, I'm glad to be back. Like, like you think about like where you were back in May of 2021 as, as a martial artist and where you're at now. Like, what, what's the biggest difference? Uh, uh, I was undefeated as a professional back then, but you know, things changed. Since then, uh, I actually ended up taking a loss, but, you know, I've gained uh, a lot of experience as a, just a martial artist and just as an athlete, just a lot more mature about everything I do. It w- Was it that loss that was kind of a, a turning point for you? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it was like a turning point for me, but it definitely uh, taught me some things. You know, like fighters always talk about that. They, they talk about like, you know, you want these learning lessons and wins. You, you don't want these learning lessons when things don't go your way. I mean, like, is it one of those things of it was more of like, okay, you know, here's what, here's the adjustments I need to make more than anything else. Uh, yes, those adjustments. It was mostly, I, I feel like it was mostly like just a mental thing. Uh, I just knew like how it needs to become it. It taught me how to be better mentally and then uh, how I should prepare a little bit better rather than like, I don't, it wasn't a skill issue. It was more of like a mental issue. I feel like uh, in that fight I lost uh, last year. And you know, you hear athletes, no matter what we're talking about, mixed martial arts, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, whatever it may be. And they'll talk about how sports is so, so mental. Like, you know, and, and fighters yeah. have talked about this. They'll be like, you know, and if your head's just not in the right space, it goes, you could be the greatest fighter is you're just not putting yourself in a great situation. Like how much of this game is mental versus physical for you? Man, I would say, uh, it's, it's like 95% mental. Like it's only okay. 5% of it for me. It's just like physical. That's the easy part. Just going to the gym, getting the reps in, you know, doing what you're supposed to do as an athlete, but like the mental training and like how you have to train yourself and think and, uh, just mold your mind when you're going into a fight or going into a, into a competition for anything. It could be uh, me doing like a Fortnite tournament or something, you know, or some, some, or playing certain destroy with my friends, like being competitive. It's just a whole different mindset. You know, I can see the setup behind you and I was kind of thinking like, is that the video game gaming setup for um, you? 
Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it's a school school work's going on right now, but that's where I game at mostly. See, I, see, I see you're like me. I can't be a one monitor setup guy. I gotta have multiple nah, monitors. Never. never that. You gotta have the open window. Look up the answers on one window. You, you're doing the, the work on the other window. You know, like literally here in my home office, I have two pretty large screens attached to one computer then i've got a a my macbook pro attached to my ipad so i've got plenty of screens here in the office facts i have like a laptop somewhere around here too <laughs> yeah I, I i've i've done that situation like you're on the road you just have like that one single laptop screen you're like man this is just this is weird it's not it when you open it i'm just i'll be at school just open my laptop i'm just like bro like I, I need another one so what do you go to Get school for on the side or something Man, I want to, uh, I'm seeking a degree in accounting eventually. Okay. But, you know, starting off slow with some basic classes. It, it, was there something that drew you to accounting? Uh, it's just, um, I've, I've never been bad at math and like, I, I couldn't see myself doing anything like science where like there's so much unknown or, uh, like history or anything like that. And accounting's pretty cut and dry and you can get a job in accounting pretty much anywhere in the world. So mm-hmm. It's a really versatile degree. So, and, and of course, mentioned about you coming off this win. Uh, like as you uh, as you think about the fight, how do you evaluate your performance? Uh, I think it was a good performance. Uh, a lot of people uh, will judge me and criticize me, like for having like boring fights or uh, not being the most exciting. But that's where I, I don't um, tailor to people. I don't really listen to the critics when it comes to that. I just uh, go out there and I do my job. And if you want to see a fight, give me somebody good enough to bring the dog out of me and force me to fight. So uh, it takes two to dance. So bring me a dog if you want me to fucking fight. Yeah, you, um, they, they talk about that blocking out the noise. Has that always been kind of an easy thing for you to do? No, uh, just the more and more I grow up, the more and more I mature, I just start to not give a shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just be like, bro, I'm just, I got my fight money. I got my show money. I got my win money. I could give a fuck. Uh, I got this W on my record. And that's pretty much what it is. You know, because like, fighters will talk, about, they'll talk about it. It's a balancing act because yes, it's a sport. Yes, it's entertainment, but the, at the end of the day, you got to go out there and do what you got. You got to put yourself in the best position to succeed. Like, is there kind of like that thin line for you where you're like, you know what? I'm only going to cross that line if I, I truly feel that, you know, like you mentioned about you're a numbers guy. Like, do you almost look at a way of saying, okay, the percentages are my way to take this risk? Yeah, I was, I was like, uh, assess that. I'm just like, look. I've, uh, my win loss ratio versus my opponents versus what he does in the cage versus this. And I'm just like, chances are I'm going to win this fight because like, uh, statistically speaking, I'm successful in these situations and this person is not. So that's where I'll look at that. And then obviously I'll look at the film and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But also just self-belief is a big part of it. Just fucking believe in yourself. You know, you mentioned about, you know, let there be an opponent to bring the dog out of you. Yeah. Okay. Is there somebody inside your gym that knows how to bring that dog out in you? But uh, there, there's so many of them. There's so many good kids in the, in the gym. Not kids, but grown men. But, like, uh, 
there's Cameron Fano. Um, he's a he's another he's a badass wrestler. I can't take him down and lay on him. <laughs> so I have to. He forced me to fight. Same with uh, guys like Kyle Todrink and uh, Kieran Reed for sure. He's uh, he's been around for a long time and he's always been able to bring some dog out of me. I have so many good teammates. I don't want to miss anybody, but there's uh, there's a lot of good guys around me that I, I have to fight. Rain Guerrero, like my main training partner for like my last camp, mm-hmm. flyweight girl, flyweight woman, really pushes me harder than ninety percent of my opponents mm-hmm. that I've had out there. Is so it I, is it just because she just kind of knows how to push you in the right way? Nah, she's just an animal, <laughs> <laughs> like straight up. Your your management there, they're telling me some things about you. And uh, the last line they said to me really stuck out to me. It says, if I was taller, I'd be a different sport. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd be like, if I was like 6'3", I'd probably be playing basketball. Okay. I don't know. Or if I'd be basketball, football. Um. Yeah, be doing something where I can make more money. Were you big in basketball, and football growing up as a kid? Was that kind of the go-to sports for you? Nah, like I was smart enough to realize, like, I'm short, and this is this shit is not going to work out. Right. So stuck to wrestling, that other shit. In terms of uh, what's you know what's kind of the the game plan in, in terms of this mixed martial arts journey of of getting back inside competition, uh, I don't really have a game plan right now. But uh, one thing I will tell you is that I'm moving down to flyweight, and that's it. You know, I take a take it one step at a time. I don't look too far into the future about things. But I know at the end of the day, I will be a world champion. And I will be a household name. That's the only two things I can guarantee you. Between now and then, I can't really say much. I'm just taking it one fight at a at a time. The move to flyweight was that a, a something that you and your your team have been talking about for some time? Maybe for a little bit. Uh, I used to be kind of a bigger bantamweight or just like a regular size bantamweight, but over the over time, getting like my nutrition better and. Uh, just living a better lifestyle. I'm a little bit smaller. I'm, I'm kind of undersized at Bantamweight right now. Like I, my weight cuts are just mm-hmm. not really weight cuts. They're super easy. I can inconvenience my diet for like a week and I'm there. And of course, look forward to seeing when the next fight's going to take place, man. Josh, uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know that you can find on social media and uh, anything else you want to mention, man. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Josh Snow MMA. That's pretty much my only form of real like social media. I do have a Twitter, but it's I don't I can't even name it. It's just so much bullshit on there. I just want to say shout out to my coaches and shout out to uh, shout out to my coaches uh, Jerry Mahon, Richard Richard Cole Copley, um, Joel Rivera at Texas Striking Academy, and just all my training partners and teammates that uh, help me and push me to be the martial artist I am. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory at Uriah Favors A1 Combat 5. Terrence, uh, appreciate the time. Congratulations on the victory, man. It's now been a little about two weeks uh, since the victory here. So, like, 
As you think about that night, is there something about the fight that sticks out to you besides obviously getting the win? Mm, no, I just went out there and uh, did what I was supposed to do. Um, happy for the result, obviously. Um, I'm not sure if you heard uh, my my uh, interview afterwards, but um, I've been looking for a submission win for like a good like five or six fights now. So I just felt good to finally get a submission win um, and check that off the list. So, yeah, that felt good. Felt good. Were you hunting the submission or did you just kind of let it come? Um, I, I was, I was hunting it. Uh, definitely this fight. I was hunting it. Um, the past, uh, like three fights, I kind of was just out doing, just doing my, my thing. But, uh, this fight for sure. I wanted to, I wanted to really, really hunt for this submission and like show that I'm dangerous, uh, everywhere, not just on the feet. You know, your nickname's wrong term, but man, that's pro career. You're wasting no time. You're getting in and out of there, you know, combined two minutes and 15 seconds here, your two pro fights. Like, is it just kind of one of those things of like, man, it's, I, I see, I see red and I just go for it. Uh, not necessarily that. I just, I just want to, I really just want to, uh, start fast and build an early lead and, um, just, you know, hold the lead. And luckily the, these last two fights, um, starting fast and building an early lead was, um, was enough to get the job done. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I don't get paid by the minute. I just, you know, got to go in there and, uh, make my money and get out, you know, kind of like going to the casino, you know, right when you start hitting, you want to get up out of there because the casino is going to get their shit back. You know, <laughs> that is very, very damn true. Like, is it, is that starting fast? Was that kind of something, a, a learning lesson in your amateur career where you just kind of felt like in fights that you just didn't get off to the start that you wanted to? Yes. Yes. It was came after my first loss as an amateur. I uh, didn't, didn't get a good warm up in. And I mean, I'm not not making excuses or anything, but I just didn't get a good warm up in. I didn't have a good sweat going, and it took me like the first maybe round and a half to start feeling like I got into my groove. So after, <clears throat> after that, I was just like, all right, you know, something's got to change because I don't want to. I don't want to be a slow starter. I wanna. I wanna be. I wanna start fast, you know, and. Um, and uh, put on a good show, and I don't want to start off sluggish and just just you know slow and and potentially lose like a round and a half before I get into my own my own natural rhythm, and um, so things can fall into place. I want to just go right in there and just already be in my rhythm and already have a you know good a uh, good lead start a, uh, get a good lead and hold the lead. So yeah, definitely a learning experience for my amateur career. Yeah, yeah, that was the only lost your amateur career. You're undefeated yeah. as a pro. He's undefeated yeah. as a pro. Are you? Are you at all seeking that rematch? Uh, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> uh, one of these days for sure, for sure, man. That's uh, one of the things that I want to get back. Definitely. Um, but when the time is right, you know, when they offer me the fight or. Cause I'm not, I'm not really picky, you know, like whenever, um, my management team, uh, offers me someone like they'll give us a list and, um, me and my coach and my manager will be like, you know, how do we like this guy? And then we'll kind of just, we'll just do some homework and oh, okay, this seems like a good matchup. So we'll run it with that. But yes, I'm definitely looking to get that one back. 
because I definitely feel like I can win that one. And uh, yeah, we'll see though, man. Yeah, I mentioned about the nickname uh, Wrong Turn. How, how do we get this nickname? So I got that nickname after my second amateur fight. Um, we were, it was me and uh, my coaches with a couple of my teammates. We were at Hooters after I fought. And this is, this is the same night that um, Max Holloway fought Brian Ortega. And we're sitting there watching the fights, eating wings, drinking beers. And then my coach turned to me and he was like, wrong turn. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he was like, that's you, man. Um, he was, he kind of related it to when you type in like an address on your GPS and then your GPS kind of like trips out and yeah. it takes you to like a wrong neighborhood. And then you see a bunch of like, you see a bunch of gangsters hanging outside drinking 40 ounces and, and then there's that one dude that is like looking at you like you shouldn't fucking be here. You took the fucking wrong turn. And uh, my coach said that, that I'm that guy. I'm the guy that's like looking at you like, dude, you should not have turned this way. You took the wrong turn. <laughs> so that's how it kind of came about. Now, your, your management did uh, inform me about uh, you became a viral video. Uh, in your, in your gym, like, so for people who are not aware of this story, there is a, a man comes into your gym and he decides he wants to spar you because you're the small guy in the gym and you make him quit. The summary of the story. Now, the bigger part of the story is you end up learning after the fact that this was someone who beat up an elderly man, um, trying to rob him. So, like, uh, what's your version of this story of, of how it all played out? Well, so he didn't try to beat up the old man. He he followed this. He followed him home, and as this man like was going up to open his door on the ring camera, they caught that dude running up to him, and like he like freaking he pistol whipped him and took his phone and and then left right and uh, right when he left whoever was home opened the door and you know, he was gone already. They ended up catching him later on that day. But so he, when he came into the gym, I, I teach the adult boxing class at train for life, uh, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And, uh, it was the last week of the month. And every last week of the month we spar it's far week. So like the whole month we'll have like a specific technique or theme that we'll go, we'll go over. So we get a whole month to work this technique. And then the last week is spar week. It gives you a chance to try to try to figure out a way to make it work. What we were working on work for you. Yeah. And, um, so it was the last week of the month. It was spar week. And I usually spar with the, my class too. So we all were, we were drilling or we were sparring. I was the odd person out. I was on the heavy bag. I'm hitting the heavy bag. And then that dude walked in with his girl. And um, I never met either of them before either. But I'm hitting this bag. And then his girl was like, hey, Terrence. And I turn around. I'm like, oh, hey, guys, what's up? You know, I was just trying to be friendly because I just thought that there was somebody coming in trying to check out the gym, maybe maybe uh, thought about signing up. So I just, you know, I was trying to be nice. And I was like, hey, what's up, guys? And she was like, oh, he doesn't believe me when I tell him you're the champ. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional fighter. I try to keep it pretty professional. So I like, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, you know? So like when there was, she was like, oh, he doesn't believe me when I tell him you're the champ. I was like, okay, I guess I'm not the champ then. And then like, 
turned around, kept hitting the bag, and then I heard him. He was like, oh, well, he must fucking think he's somebody then because he wants to be all sarcastic. And um, he, he, like, verbatim, verbatim was like, I will beat you the fuck down. And he said it, like, three times. And I was like, what the heck? Like, is this guy fucking serious? And I told him, I was like, well, I mean, you can grab some gloves and we can hop in the ring if you want to get some rounds in. And he's like, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. I fucking does this. I'm the fucking champ. Right. And um, like, no, seriously, I told him, like, like, you know, just like I was like, no, seriously, like, if you really want to get some rounds in, get some rounds. And uh, he was like, all right. And he fucking my coach was my coach. My head coach was teaching on the other mat. And he was like, yo, T, just make sure that he signs a waiver before you before you guys do that. And I was like, okay. Hey, boss, you got to sign a waiver, man. And he was like, I don't need that fucking waiver. Fuck that waiver. You need the fucking waiver. You the one that need a fucking waiver. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then, but then that's when my coach jumped in and was like, no, I'm the owner. I say you need a waiver because if you get hurt, you're not going to come and sue us. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. Signs the waiver. He takes off his shirt. He does like two push-ups, fucking gloves up jumps in the ring and he's still talking hella shit. And then we spar and like while we're sparring, he, cause I think he thought that he was just going to go in there and just fucking yeah. one hit or quitter me and knock my ass out. Cause I'm hella little, you know, I'm hella small, especially compared to him. And, um, he's still talking shit. And then I hit him a couple of times. And like, I mean, if you've seen the video, like yeah. you know, he ends up saying like, hold on, hold on, you know, like, and then tries to fucking ask, like, how much time we have, and I was just like, what the fuck, you know, and again, like, during the, at the time, I didn't know that he was the dude that, like, had did that to that old, that poor old guy, and, um, again, I'm a professional fighter, I don't have anything to fucking prove to anybody, so, like, somebody says, okay, like, I'm done, like, or, like, just, all right, hold on, time out, it's just like, all right, well, get the fuck out of here then, you know, like you're fucking wasting my time now. Like you were talking hella shit. Like you were going to beat my ass and you found out that I'm the fucking wrong one to try to fucking do that too. Now you want to make excuses like, yo, how much time is left? And then my coach is like, dude, get the fuck out. And they ended up kicking them out. And, um, yeah, like after class, I was like talking to my class and I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know? Cause that, Cause I've been training for like MMA. I've been training MMA for about five years now. And I've never, ever, ever like personally experienced that or like seen anybody do something like that. Walk into a gym, onto the gyms that I've cross trained at. Never seen anybody do that before or even heard of somebody do. I seen that shit in like movies, you know, like 1980s martial arts movie. Somebody comes into the dojo and freaking challenges like the teacher and yeah. then gets his ass. Be like, I was like, what the heck, you know? So it was like, a, I, I didn't think at first, like also I'd never thought that this was going to like blow up to like how big it did. Cause <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> so it just took me by surprise, but it, um, I think I handled it. Um, well, you know, I handled it a lot better than maybe most people would have, you know, so. It, it makes me kind of think of you just kind of talking about that of, are people surprised who don't know you, 
Like they, they don't walk, they don't see you in the gym. They don't see you train. They don't see you coaching a class. They just, they mm. see you out and about, you know, you're out, you know, getting, getting food with your family, getting food with your friends. And, you know, a conversation kind of sparks up and, and then they're like, and then you say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional fighter. Have you ever had that kind of reaction where people go, really? Kind of, sort of, yeah. But I mean, like, it's like half and half. Cause like, like some people, they'll look at me and like, they'll see my ears and then like, they just kind of just see how I am and they're like, Oh, and then I tell them and they're like, oh yeah, I could definitely see you doing that. You know? And then like some people are like, really? Cause, cause I'm not, um, I'm not really like, like I'm hella loud and like, I'm like super, like not serious, especially like when it comes to like hanging out with my friends or my family, I say a lot of like half-hearted shit. Like I'd like to joke around, you know, I'm a pretty normal guy. So I can like, I, I understand like when people are like, damn, like I never would have thought that you are a fighter, you know, cause like I'll hang out with my friends and, um, they're just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, how are you like, you're hella dumb, dude. Like how, like <laughs> I would have, you know, like if I just met you, I would have never thought that you were a fighter also cause I'm hella little too. So, you know, <laughs> so it's like half and half. It's like half and half when people, when I tell people what I do as a job, you know, it's like some people are like, Oh, I can see you doing that. And some people are like, damn, like, I would have never thought so. If you were not a fighter, what do you think you'd be doing today? Um, shit. Right now, I'd probably be fucking drinking a forty, uh, playing video games and talking shit with some friends. Maybe working a nine to five job, hating my life, getting in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's the go to video game right now for you, bro? Right now, I've been. Like for the past like week, I've been on this Bassmaster 2022. It's like a fishing game. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why, man. I got I got Game Pass right now for my Xbox, and it's like for free. So I was yeah, like, yeah. man, let me fucking check this shit out. And I just got like super invested into it, and it's like <laughs> it's hella fun to me. I don't know. <laughs> are you? Are, do you like to fish? I do. I do. I haven't fished in like over in like a year, but I do like to fish. I grew up fishing with my pop and my grandpa, you know, they used to always take me fishing. And then, uh, last year and the year before that, we, uh, my coaches and some of my teammates, we went on this, uh, charter boat cause the, the owner of the charter boat son trains at the gym too. So he gave us a cool price and like, you know, took us out and we were stuck and killing it. That shit was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I want to actually get another trip in this year with the guys because they've been killing it with the salmon right now. So that shit looks kind of fun. One of the things your management, uh, they were talking about, you know, things you like to do. One of the th- things they mentioned is uh, you love eating noodles. So where, I do. Where, I do, I, do, we, do we got a go-to spot by the house or, or do you prefer to make it at home? Uh, well, always like my mom, she makes, so I'm men and, um, uh, we have this dish called kasoy. It's kind of sort of like pho. It's like our version of pho. And um, my mom, man, she fucking makes a really, really good batch of that. So, like, whenever she has it, whenever she makes it, and I'm not in fight camp, bro, it's bad. It's fucking bad. I can eat that shit, like, every single fucking day for, like, every meal. And uh, if I don't have one, uh, I mean, if I don't have, if we don't have none here at home, there's this one spot called... um uh, Fuss Saigon number one. It's like five minutes away from my house. Um, it's my auntie's husband. His family owns that spot, okay. and that's my favorite spot to go to. Like if if I gotta 
you know, just go around town. Yeah. So, but yeah, I definitely love eating noodles, man. That's why, uh, that's why I fucking hit so hard, dude. And fucking is rice noodles and beer, man. That's 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 what I'm fueled by. <laughs> no, I mean, like when you're preparing for a fight camp, do you gotta do you gotta slow down the noodles and the beer? Or, oh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. You know, it's just that's just like a little joke that I tell people because you know. But uh, yeah, I definitely take it easy on the noodles on all of that actually rice noodles and beer. But um, there's like um, sometimes I'll have like like if my mom makes kasoy, um, um, she'll cut up like a bunch of cabbage. So like instead of like the noodles, I'll just have like a little bit with the cabbage as a noodle substitute. It's not as good, but I mean shit, it's 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 better than fucking you know like just you know I still, at least I still get to have some. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. We look forward to seeing the next time you step inside, uh, inside competition here. Look forward to watching this journey of yours. Of course, uh, let everyone know they can find you out on social media and anything else you want to mention, man. Um, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, where people can follow you on social media and of course, any of those sponsors that are helping you out. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, so my Instagram handle is, uh, fuck Terrence, but it's spelled F V C K underscore. T E R R V N C E underscore. That's my handle for Instagram. And then for Facebook, it's uh, my name, Terrence Saturn. Uh, for Twitter, it's wrong turn 125. Um, I wanted to thank you for having me, obviously. Thank you, uh, Iridium, Jason, and Jeremy, um, all those guys from Iridium. Um, Freshly Rooted Tribe, I'm sponsored by a CMOS company, Freshly Rooted Tribe. They're based in Benicia. Um, Solution Supplements. Um, thank you to my teammates from Nobody MMA and Trend for Life, my coaches, Anthony Sonny Ramos, Brandon Madali, Devo, Coach Thomas, Professor Bryant, my teammates, uh, Caesar, Blake, Amini, Kanoa, Houston, Lino, um, my girlfriend, Nicole, uh, she's actually the one that helps like that's, she's super helpful. Like making the shirts, like so her job is, uh, like, a she like colors in and draws comics. And this was like right up her alley. And, you know, obviously for the endless support that she has for me, um, uh, my parents, mom, pop, uncle Johnny, um, my uncle Johnny is actually the one that got me into wrestling when I was nine years old. So if he never would have introduced me to wrestling, I probably wouldn't have be sitting here having this conversation with you. And, uh, he always tells me that uh, I don't owe him anything, but honestly, like, I think that I owe him a lot more than he, he thinks, or he knows. Cause you know, if he never would have, if he never would have introduced me to it, I honestly don't know what I'd be doing with my life right now. And, um, it's given me like a sense of belonging and a sense of fulfillment and just something to look forward to and work towards. And, um, it, um, makes me want to be strive to be a, a better human being and a better martial artist. And, um, uh, thank you to my teammates at Sabre Jiu-Jitsu. Thank you to coach Bobby and Bobby 707 triumph. Thank you to coach Eddie from resistance um, coach Steve from Omni movement, Brandon and Kai. Thank you guys, uh, for, you know, keeping your doors open and making me feel like family and, um, and a one combat. Thank you for everyone combat and Uriah Faber and, um, Chad and Tom. Thank you guys for giving me a chance to show the world and give me a platform for doing things that I love to do. 
And um, I look forward to working with you guys in the future and um, hopefully look forward to being on your show again, Jason. Appreciate it. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man who is undefeated as a amateur fighter and his roots in martial arts go back to wrestling. James, man, appreciate time. So uh, obviously anyone who, who Googles your name, they search your name. We know about the collegiate wrestling career. How does this wrestling journey start? Uh, well, to be honest, I was kind of a bad kid. You know, I got in some trouble in school. Um, so I transferred from one school to another school when I was in the eighth grade, I believe. And, uh, the Dean of students at that second school was, uh, was a former wrestler. He did uh, some judo as well. He was like, Hey man, you know, you're a big guy. You might, you might like this. So I started going to practices and I was like, Oh, you know, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. And, uh, you know, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I, I found a good coach, um, found a good home with some good coaches and, you know, worked all year round from then on. Um, I played football a little bit my freshman year of high school, but after that year I was, I was pretty done with it and I just wanted to wrestle. And you end up going to Purdue. So how, how did, how did you know Purdue was, was the right place for you to, uh, continue on this journey? Um, Really, at first, I uh, I liked some of the guys on the team. I liked uh, I liked the 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 uh, image that um, I got when I was I was there. Right, like I liked the you know some of the work that they were doing, some of the work they were putting in. Um, and I have a, a cousin that actually was going there at that time, um, and her dad was a football player at Purdue uh, back in the day. So. Um, you know, I really just felt like it was close to home, close enough to home. I was three hours from uh, Columbus, which is where I grew up. Um, it was close to Chicago, so it was close to another major city. And, yeah, it, it all kind of just kind of fell together for me, I feel like. So by the time you end your college wrestling career, or journey, I guess we should say, when does martial arts and wanting to be a MMA fighter come into the equation? So it's funny because uh, actually I transferred from Purdue to Ohio State, which is where I ended up finishing my uh, my degree. I wasn't on the wrestling team there. I was just kind of doing some training outside of school. Um, so I was finishing up my degree, and one of my best friends, who was actually one of my teammates at Purdue, um, but at this point he transferred out as well to Buffalo. His name's Kyle Todrink, um, also an undefeated fighter at this point. But uh, he he uh, moved down to Houston because his mom was finishing up uh, medical school down here. And he was like, hey, you know, I found this really cool gym. You know, you should come down and check it out. There's a couple UFC fighters down here. You know, it'd be really a, a great opportunity for us to use our wrestling at a different level. Um, and at this point, you know, I'm, I'm in my, my last two semesters of college and uh, I don't really have a plan. Uh, I had a couple job offers, um, but nothing that really stuck out to me too much as far as like something that I could really see myself doing. And I was like, you know what, you know, screw it. I'll give it a try. I flew down to Houston or actually I think I drove down to Houston the very first time I came down. So good 16 hours in the car. I get down here. It's, it's humid. It's, it's hot. Um, but the training was awesome, you know, and I, I got, I got beat up a little bit and, um, I think that that's really good for somebody like me. And that's really drew me to want to be here and to, and to really chase this is, you know, uh, I saw that it was possible. So, you know, that, that makes me think about it. Was that the first time someone threw a punch at your face? 
Uh, oh, well, no, um, no, <laughs> I, was, I was getting in fights when I was young, but, uh, the first time somebody that was trained that, yeah. you know, uh, I couldn't really stop myself from getting punches thrown at my face. You know what I mean? So that, I think that there's a big difference there between somebody throwing some punches and a trained, a trained fighter throwing punches where you're not really able to stop it. <laughs> Yeah, and of course you're coming off uh, another victory at, at GC MMA 17, and anyone who goes online, they'll see the highlight back to back suplexes. Like, so like, is that is that simply one of those equations of like, man, it just happened, it was there, I saw it, I took it. Uh, yes, yes, and no. Um, a big thing for me, if you watch any of my fights, you'll see I hit at least one one uh big throw in in, in uh Greco Roman wrestling. It would be like a five point throw, right? So like feet over uh feet over the head, high amplitude. Um, a big goal in my MMA career is I want to throw somebody like that in every single fight that I have. <laughs> Um, so going into this fight, I was like, Oh, you know, it's my third fight. I need to get a, a good throw in. So I threw him the first time and, uh, I went and I got in on a double leg after that, when he got up, cause you know, I figured he'd get up, yeah. but, um, yeah, I got in on a double leg and I stood up and I was going to try to like slam him with the double leg, but our momentum started going backwards. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just got to risk it for the biscuit sometimes. Yeah. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. You know, we talk about this undefeated amateur run you've had so far. Like, as you think about these amateur fights, like, how is there a way you would sum them up in terms of your evaluation of how they've gone for you? Um, they've all been pretty wrestling heavy, uh, which is I think is good. And you know, a, a talk that I had with one of the older guys on my team, um, was you know not to try to stray away from that too much. You know, even though I'm learning, I'm growing as a, a martial artist. Uh, really not trying to trying to use overly use my hands, I guess would be uh, a word for it, but um, really sticking to, you know, what I'm good at sticking, to what got me uh, where I'm at now and, and what's going to continue to take me uh, further in the future, you know, not, not trying to do too much extra, I guess. Do you look at that in a way of, okay, everyone knows you're wrestling, you know, like I mentioned, they Google your name, they know you're a wrestler in a way. Do you look at that and say of like, I like the fact that, the rest of my game is just a unknown. Yes, I do. Because, uh, like you just mentioned, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I'm going to train to, to stop the wrestling to stop, you know, this or that. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, what happens when I, you know, start showing this a little <laughs> bit more, start showing yeah. that a little bit more Then it's, you know, then we're jumping levels. Right. And, uh, I think that's going to be really cool when I have the opportunity to show off, you know, the, the, uh, expenditure of my, of my, fighting and my skills there in the cage like you mentioned about jumping levels and we hear whether we're talking about fighters in the ufc or they're like yourself they're an amateur fighter or maybe they're on the regional scene young in their pro career they talk about you know th these levels you jump from you know one fight to another like as you think about like the levels you've jumped like even say the last six months like is there something you see a difference in yourself now that just wasn't there six months ago um definitely just like uh I really say controlling my body and like a lot more body awareness when it comes to like having a, a base and striking. Right. So like before, and, uh, you know, maybe you can identify with this or relate to this. Um, 
you know, I was kind of just like there, right? And I'm like, oh, I need to move out of the way of that, move out of the way of that. And I'm, I was kind of moving mm-hmm. um, still like a wrestler rather than like as a mixed martial artist, right? So like my head's a little bit forward, I'm leaning a little bit, right? Like my weight is not really under control. And I'd say in the last six months, definitely, I've been working a lot more on, you know, keeping good footwork, keeping a good stance, a good base, um, and keeping myself moving and able to strike from any and all positions that I'm uh, that I'm in when I'm not wrestling, right? So. I'd, I'd probably say that's it. It, it. Hearing you say that, maybe just kind of something, and I guess I've really never thought of it in this way, like because so many people like yourself have made their way from the wrestling mat into the MMA arena. How different is footwork in terms of when you are preparing for a, a wrestling meet at Purdue as opposed to you getting ready for an MMA fight? Uh, I would say footwork is it's kind of – very similar right like you want to keep yourself stable you don't want to be too wide but you also don't want to be too close right like both of those ideologies are are uh you know kind of go across the board between mma and wrestling um and obviously it's like you know you're setting traps with your feet and uh that's something i'm really trying to learn how to do now with my striking is like uh, I know like in my wrestling, if I'm backing up, I can kind of lure somebody in to chase me. Right. And from there set my feet to take a shot. But, um, I'm, I'm still trying to kind of figure that out with striking. Um, so I would say that there's, there's some slight differences, but for the most part, it's pretty similar. In terms of like, we, we all, we all have this way we are introduced to the sport. Now I'm, I'm older than you. Uh, so my introduction to the sport was my brother bringing home a UFC one VHS from Blockbuster. You're, you're probably so, you you may not even remember Blockbuster. Oh no, I do. I do. <laughs> like, do you have like a memory of like the first time you saw an MMA fight? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd probably be right around the time I started wrestling. Honestly, um, I used to hang out with one of my best friends, Ben Hoff, and we'd hang out in his basement. We'd like watch Spike TV, the UFC fights on Spike TV. And he, um, his brother was a fighter. Uh, he was like training in Muay Thai and doing boxing and, and whatnot, as well as wrestling, um, in middle school and in high school with me. And he would be like, Hey, you know, James, you really should try this. And we'd like, you know, kick the bag, throw punches at the bag and stuff. Obviously he knew what he was doing. I had no idea. I was just kind of there, but, um, yeah, I would probably say that's, that was like my first kind of introduction to it. And it's funny. Cause, um, I said when, uh, when I first started, when I first came to Houston was like my first time really training, uh, striking, but it'd probably be, uh, like a week before that I started training in that same buddy's garage, um, with his brother. Cause I was like, yeah, you know, listen, you got to teach me a little bit of something before I go down here. Uh, get to, to know you outside of fighting. Uh, you walk to the gym today. They say you got control of the music. What's playing? Um, I don't know. Probably some like early two thousands, maybe some late nineties stuff. Uh, I really like, I really like rap. I like hip hop. Um, but I'm, I'm really a fan of everything. I'd, I'd, I'd probably say, uh, like some East coast, like East coast, early two thousands to late nineties stuff. So we're all addicted to our phone. What's 100%. the, what's the favorite app on your phone? Uh, Unfortunately, I think it's TikTok, man. I, I, I bro, I'm with you, man. I, I, it's, I, it's addicting. It's wrong. I don't, I don't get how they got us like this. Uh, you know, it's you just go on there and you before you realize that you've been swiping through videos for thirty minutes. Oh yeah, 
what'll get me is um i live about an hour away from the gym that we train at so on like tuesdays and thursday nights we have a like i coach a wrestling class here at in the evening so i won't get home until like you know 10 o'clock at night or so so i'll like shower up when i get back and like be laying in bed like kind of decompressing from there I'll be like oh you know I'll scroll on tiktok for a little bit <laughs> And it's like one in the morning, two hours later. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? Like literally. (laughs) And the thing about TikTok is once they realize you start searching for something, then you'll get it. Like, so like I'm an Apple guy. So iOS 16 just came out. So like I, I clicked on the hashtag and now all I get is like literally the same iOS 16 about the, the, like the two features that turn on. Like I, and now I just can't get rid of these videos. Yeah, they're they're really good uh, uh, marketing directors and whatnot for for these big companies and like ad ad spaces and whatnot. They're they're getting really good at their job and and really putting their their advertisements in front of us, getting that out there. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 addictive. Like I I feel like for a long time for fighters, Instagram's kind of been that go to, but it feels oh, yeah. like TikTok is starting to kind of take over. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting to see like like fighters that I know even from back home in Ohio, like posting different fight and highlight clips and whatnot. And I'm like, man, if I could only figure this out, that'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those things you gotta figure out. But man, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Look forward to seeing sure. uh this journey with you. Of course, uh let me know anything follow you on social media and anything else we'll mention, man. For sure, man. Uh, my social media is H A M E S F O R D. So it's James Ford, but H instead of a J. Um, really appreciate you having me on. Uh, look forward to my next fight. It's sounding like it's going to be in December. Hopefully, it's for a title. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the journey. Thanks so much. And there you have my conversations with Julian Orosa, Josh Walker, Terrence Aturn, and James Ford. I'll appreciate those fighters coming on this episode of the podcast. Of course, I do apologize for not being able to get an interview edition of the podcast out last week as uh, things got a little hectic in my world last Friday. And then, of course, Saturday was a travel day. And then, of course, uh, being in Dallas all last weekend and not getting back to early on Monday morning. Didn't get a chance to get that show up. I do apologize for not getting that one out there. I will tell you, I'm actually recording this show here on a Friday afternoon, so making sure I get that show out there is before I head to New Orleans this weekend for Saints and Buccaneers. Of course, uh, that's a, a 1 o'clock kick or noon kick there in New Orleans. Looking forward to being in New Orleans this week. Of course, me and Daniel, we're talking about that on Wednesday's episode of podcast. Of course, myself and Daniel will be back on Wednesday for another episode of the podcast and uh, get a lot of... Uh, um, I appreciate everyone that's reached out and told me how much they love the new segment on the show. Agree or disagree where uh, on this, on the last episode, we took three headlines that I found on the MMA Reddit of various stories that appeared on MMA websites. And we talked about whether we agreed or disagreed with uh, what was said in that article, of course, uh, you know, one was about John Dotson talking about how everyone he believes everyone had won the trade with one championship in the UFC with him and Askren. And uh, for the most part, I said, yeah, I agree with absolutely everything Demetrius Johnson said there. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be bringing that segment each and every week as uh, MMA Red, I'll tell you, it's crazy. You know, back in the day, I, I would tell you in terms of getting MMA news, I would go to you know, the traditional websites, you know, the MMA junkies and the MMA fightings and things along those lines. But I will tell you, I've really found myself more going 
to the MMA Reddit to kind of f- see what's going on, or I just go to Twitter. Like you know, uh, obviously we all know Ariel is the king in this in this uh, in this landscape. But I would tell you on a Monday or Wednesday, I just go to Jedi Goodman's Twitter just to pretty much see what's happening on Ariel Wani's show because that's kind of uh, seems to be the best place to find that news over there. But it's it's interesting how this MMA media landscape has changed over the years. But yeah, I, I really I'll tell you, I I find myself just going over to Reddit and uh, sitting over there. And, of course, I do appreciate anyone who shares my interviews on on Reddit. Man, I really appreciate uh, anyone who does that. I always appreciate when uh, people want to show their support by sharing the content that I have here on the MMA Report podcast. Of course, uh, course appreciate everyone who came on the podcast this week. As I mentioned, next episode will come out on Wednesday. Myself and Daniel Galvan. I'm sure we'll take a look back at what happens at UFC Vegas 60 and uh, kind of start to look ahead to the month of October as next Saturday we have no UFC event. We do have a Bellator fight card next week. We got that uh, event over there in Ireland, which it's really interesting to me as someone who has been someone who's constantly followed the Bellator product for years. Man, it just maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm wrong here. But I just feel like in a way Bellator has kind of become a forgotten promotion in the MMA landscape. It just it's one of these things that and and I was speaking to somebody about this the other day. It's just it seems like with you know they're not obviously they're not doing a ton of events, but it just feels like they've just lost a lot of uh, the brand recognition they have. Of course, that event's going to be headlined by Peter Queeley and Benson Henderson also got Yoel Romero and Melvin Manhoff. I uh, did see where Yoel Romero was talking about. Uh, he wants to return to 185 pounds. Uh, also, a fight card, Maz Burnell versus Pedro Carvajal. That's that's a nice little fight. Uh, Brett Johns is on this card. Uh, this card was supposed to have James Gallagher on it. Uh, but However, James Gallagher had to pull out of the fight due to an injury. But, yeah, it just for whatever reason, it just seems like Bellator, it for whatever reason it is, it just seems like uh, kind of the uh, the excitement that's been around that promotion is just not there. And, of course, uh, uh, this will be back-to-back events they have coming up here. They got that one on October 1st, headlined by Pitbull and Borax and McKee and Spike Carlisle. Still kind of still kind of crazy that we're not getting Pitbull, McKee 3, but it's what it is. Um, but as I previously reported, my understanding is the fight was not offered to either camp, which is just crazy to me but that is going to do it for this edition of the mma report podcast next episode will come out on wednesday of course you can get the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com 